Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. Welcome to Weekly Jump, presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. This is our weekly episode reviewing first impressions of newer anime and manga titles. Let's jump in. called solo leveling why do you have so many tabs up hey everybody i'm a tab person so so we're recording not the drink we're recording together (laughs) do they still make tab i guess there's no way they still make it makes me think of my maybe my favorite family guy joke of which there are not many because i don't particularly like family guy but i used to like it a lot yeah when they're stuck in the desert Stewie and Brian. Oh, yeah. And they see an RC, uh, they see a Dr. Pepper machine or something, and they're like, we're saved. And they run up to it, and they're like, oh, it's an RC cola machine, and then they just leave. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like better to die of thirst. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so good. It's like such a a sharp jab at RC cola, which I like. (laughs) Well, I guess we know what we're dealing with then. Uh, so, uh, sorry, we haven't put out an episode in a hot minute, but Blake was traveling in order to get to Memphis so that we could go to Anime Blues Con, and, uh, and we we did go to Anime Blues Con. Um, it didn't exactly go the way that we planned it to go. We got some, uh, some, some good pictures from it, but the uh, the interviewing didn't end up working out the way that we wanted it to. So, um, unfortunately, we are not going to have interviews from this con. Uh, to be fair, though, it's it's our first con since coming back from the COVID mess. <laughs> so, uh, hopefully, <laughs> the, so hopefully the next ones that we Some do are going to be volume. more. Imp- <laughs> With, yeah, it was just. It was, I think if you were at the convention... You had a good time. Yeah, if you didn't go as press, I think it worked out. It seemed like they had not thought about what a press experience might be Mm -hmm. or might do for them. And so we kind of asked a few of the simple questions we've asked at previous conventions about like, hey, you know, what kind of things should we expect for our day? Mm-hmm. Is there coverage that you would like us to get that we can share with you? And what is the process for interviewing some of the talent that you've brought in for your convention, which they had some really good talent at this yeah. convention. Yeah. Um, the one I was most excited about was Johnny Young Bosch, but uh, I know that there were quite a couple of bigger names, including Christopher Waycamp, who yeah. we, we've talked to before, I believe. And, uh, uh, so we were looking forward to getting to talk to some of them. And yeah, the, the guy that was organizing it kind of gave us like deer in headlights, never thought of that before answers mm. when we asked those. And so we did not expect to have a particularly good experience from a press standpoint. And we did not. Yeah. So uh, this is actually day two of our convention and, and we're not, we're not going. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, we're, we're looking to see if we can get an update on that possibly today. And yes, you know, something miraculously happens. Um, but it looks at this point, like it might be a little bit of a wash, which is a little bit of a bummer, but at the same time we are together in Memphis and recording an episode live. Together in Memphis. (laughs) So you get this great content. There's no time delay between idiot to idiot. content. 
husband and I, way before we were husbands, when we were just dating, we watched the animated Anastasia movie together. And we are both so gay that the time, the moment in the movie when she comes out in her like ball gown and she's so pretty, we both like stopped what we were doing. We're like, she's so pretty. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's what I think about when I think of Anastasia, you know, not all of the other great great things inside of the movie oh the best thing fashion the best thing is the woman that's like trying to pretend to be anastasia and like is doing the audition for the grandmother she's like grandmama it's me anastasia (laughs) (laughs) uh what a great movie because it's bernadette peters is in it and then um i don't know what's her what's from murder she wrote oh um with an a in her name oh Oh, God. With an A in her name. Oh, I don't know. It was going to be like, we all have A's in our names, but you don't. <laughs> uh, I almost, Angela Lansbury. I almost God. said Dame, I almost said Dame <laughs> Judy Dench. <laughs> she kind of looks like her. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great film. If you haven't watched the animated Anastasia, it's so good. That's what we're talking about today. No. Uh-huh. Um, what, what we ended up watching was uh, our screen time was Ping Pong the Animation, um, which I hold to be one of the most uh, interesting and weirdest and best animated in a weird way <laughs> um, sports animes. Uh, I think one of the reasons I like it so much is because, holy shit, nobody in the show is really likable. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, you know, it, that's a really good point. And it's pretty true where, like, the the characters are super flawed. It's, it's ultimately, the setup is a fairly standard sports anime. And that's from somebody whose sports anime experience is almost exclusively stuff that we've covered for this show. So, fairly limited, but not out of nowhere. Uh, and it's basically just... Uh, there are two people in their sports club. The sport this time is ping pong and they're really good at the ping pong, but one of them is overconfident and he's really good except against people who are like very, very good. What's the distinction I'm making here? I don't know. If you're like, you know, he's sort of like naturally talented and then he spent a long time playing. But if you're playing against somebody who has played to become like focused competitor, then he kind of crumbles because that's what happens. There's a, there's a dude that comes from China who was on the Chinese team. That was really good. Now he's in Japan because I guess he lost a match in China and they were like, you got to leave the country until you fix this. (laughs) (laughs) And and then he's, uh, (laughs) he just trounces this dude. And then the other guy is much more technically skilled, but I don't know, doubts himself or something. Yeah. And they, they also, like make it out where he's like compassionate to his opponents. And so he can't like play to win because he sees his opponents as people that also want to win. And he's like unconsciously pulling his punches because he knows that they want to win. Yeah. Something like that. It's like a weird competitive spirit block that he has. Yeah. Whereas like if you, if you take a, if you want to like a look at a perspective from like a sports minded person person 
a lot of times what you run into, at least in, you know, the sport that I watch the most, which is basketball, you get these people that have this mindset where when I'm on my court, when, you know, when I'm on the court, nobody's my friend unless you're on my team. And so they, they stop thinking about the way that the other people are going to react and feel and do all this kind of stuff. And that's the competitive mindset that you have to have in order to win a lot of times in a lot of different sports. It's really the same in tennis too. Like when you watch some of those competitive tennis matches, they're hitting as hard as they possibly can and they're doing everything they possibly can to win against their opponent. That's why they have to yell every time they hit it. <laughs> that makes it go faster. Because ah! Yeah, it goes slightly faster because the wind behind the yelling yeah. pushes it. So let's talk about the animation style yeah. inside of this anime because it is very different if you've never seen it before. Um, the closest I can compare it to is a American style animation that would be like a, um, something like a, um, Waking Life, I think is the name of the anime or the anime movie. I don't think it's an anime movie. I think it's just a, it's a, they do it with cell shading. Good God. God, I couldn't (laughs) say that. So they shot the film, basically, and then over the top of that, they did animation on top of it. And so when you take a look at it as a viewer... It's like a Skinner Darkly, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, Skinner Darkly does the same thing. Um, But Waking Life, let me just pull up. I've never heard of this movie. Waking Life. Um... So Waking Life looks like that. So the, Blake is looking at it right now. Oh. So they do shading over the top of it after they film it. And I, so yeah. It, it, th- I think that's what they did for Scanner Darkly. It's also kind of how they made the... Well, I don't know how the graphics on this have aged, but that's my memory of the video game 13, which was the Roman numerals, where it was like a shooting game made to look like a comic book, and it had that like cell shading thing put on really, really heavily. Yeah. This is... I, I would... I see where you're going with that, but I, if I didn't know what this looks like, I think I would be misled by that description a little bit because it's it's also got a sort of like scratchy, like the characters don't have to stay on model really. Oh, they definitely they, don't. There is a lot of like morphing animation. It, it almost reminds me of like all the movies that are nominated for best animated picture that I don't see that are Disney and picture, Pixar ones. Oh yeah. Where you get like, uh, like what was it? Like wolf children or something was recent. And like, it's just, it has this sort of scratchy hand drawn quality. It almost is like the characters are sort of like moving on the edges. Kind of like when you're watching like Ed, Ed and Eddie or something, yeah. although very much not in the same style, but like there is just this like intentionally intentional reminder that this is hand drawn at all times. Yeah. And there there's, it's also, it's so chaotic. It's very, very chaotic with the lines that the way that they do it, two good comparisons to it. If you're somebody who reads, uh, if you're somebody who reads comic books, refer to something by like Bill Sienkiewicz. Um, he does a lot of this style inside of the X-Men series, um, if you're somebody who watches anime and you want something that I can think would be like the closest to something like this, I would look to the original Naruto series when uh, Sasuke fights against Naruto for the first time um, the inside of the big fight at the end of that original series. 
where they're fighting inside of the waterfall. Um, and the characters begin to go very off model. Um, yeah. and they go back and forth. It is, it is not the exact same amount of Sakuga. Um, but it is definitely hand drawn and definitely the, they put a lot of metaphor into the way that they swing and the way that the ball is hit across. Um, I just showed Blake before we began. There's this really well-known moment in in where this character is reminded of sending China home in an airplane, and he hits the hits the the ping pong ball back to him. And the guy, when he hits the ping pong ball back, you see an airplane taking off that turns into a ping pong ball that hits the net, causing a fault, losing him the game. And it's just like this really cool metaphorical drawing but at the same time it's it's also if you're looking for basic anime you're not gonna enjoy it completely if you don't like you know if you only love a regular animation style yeah this is it has a pretty frenetic pace from an animation standpoint and it's really it's really sort of sort of a group of people that were like we want to be artistic we want to do high quality animation we want to do a style that you don't see very much that's still recognizably anime but that's sort of living outside of the bounds of what you can generally expect from an anime created by a studio we want to have those moments of sort of like metaphor morphing seamlessly into the narrative and back out again and they sort of basically take these kind of like big artistic ideas and push them into a focused product of this show, which I I believe is only like six episodes total, right? Yeah. It's not very long. And so like it, it ends up being one of those very small projects, kind of similar to fully Cooley, where they just hop in for a couple of episodes to do their thing and to throw all of their money and talent at it and then to to leave while it's still good. Mm-hmm. And so watching the first three episodes, we watched through half of it. It sounds like you might have watched more. I've seen the whole thing. <clears throat> yeah. And I would say from my review, it was very good. It was a lot. I think I was expecting it to be a little bit more of just a smorgasbord of insane art. Uh, and it, it ended up being feeling a little bit more akin to a standard sports anime from a, from a narrative standpoint. Um, Certainly a good one. Um, But I think for me, it was one of those things where I had heard so much about it and so much glowing praise that I was a little underwhelmed just because my expectations were so high. And that said, objectively speaking, this was very good. The animation is gorgeous. It's it's unique to the extent that if you care about animation at all, I would recommend checking it out just for the experience of having watched something that's that's living outside of what you see usually. Um, but with the caveat that this is very much a sports anime. Mm-hmm. It's only six episodes. So even if you don't like sports anime, you might find it digestible. But uh, I, I would say you should give this a shot if you don't know anything about it, if you haven't tried it yet. It's worth checking out because it is sort of an artistic experience and it's fascinating from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. But uh, 
it's still it's still telling a story that's sort of familiar. So it is tempered by that to a very small degree. All right. Now we go into our page flips. Uh, our page flips are uh, this week a it's it's not it, we're going to get into an argument about this. <laughs> <laughs> so this was recommended by Haley Haley 91 H-A-L-I. I'm not sure how that's supposed to be. Yeah, said. it's called Solo Leveling. It is not a Japanese manga. Um, so Blake explain. I, uh, so I don't take any, any recommendation, uh, for the show. You can't just tell us to watch or read anything and we'll do it. But after watching Tower of God, I really enjoyed Tower of God and it is not the first sort of higher, um, higher notoriety adaptation of a manhwa, which is, uh, generally a Korean uh, manga essentially the manga uh, being defined as the uh, comics from Japan manhwa would be the Korean version it's basically people making something that if you didn't know better you would think it was a manga and uh, but it's not coming from Japan uh, that's a very very reduced down explanation of it that I'm mm-hmm. sure is missing a ton of nuance that People who know a lot more about this than me are probably upset at me for it. But that's an extremely high level if you don't know anything about what these two things are, what the differences are. That's essentially the difference. Solo leveling is is really going to strike a lot of people that read manga as not manga. I will point that out to it begin with. It lives much more in a webcomic world yes. than a manga world, which is, is relevant because that's how One Punch Man got its start. Yeah, but... But I don't know about this. Yeah, Solo leveling, I think, falls closer to me in a Western style of yeah. comic book. It it really reads closer to something like a um, a saga or something like that. It's the breaks in the way that the story is told. It feels a lot more like that. Um, a lot of people will get um, confused when when looking at it if you're if you're expecting a manga and you see this and you're like the 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 paneling is completely different and some of that is because you're reading it inside of a from top to bottom reading style if you're reading it online um and not from a uh right to left style like most manga is done and if you're somebody who reads like viz online or shonen jump you're also going to be presented that way um this is going to be presented in in closer to like a comic book reading style it also it has a pacing that feels a lot more like a one-shot inside of a comic book series. Um, I don't know if you got that feeling as well from it. Yeah, um, I think the chapters are a lot shorter. Yeah. And they're trying to get to it quickly. And I'm not sure if that's because... Because uh, I read... Because it starts with chapter zero. Mm-hmm. And so I read up through chapter three. Um, which I guess is technically one more than we usually read, but I wasn't sure how chapter zero fit into the narrative. Uh, and there was a lot of repetition from chapter zero in, uh, like two and three. Yeah. So like having read that, I felt like some of the dramatic tension of the earliest chapters were lost on the fact that I knew what was about to happen because chapter zero told me. Yeah. And and also it kind of felt like they, the way that they were presenting, it was probably trying to like buck up audiences. So they released yeah. it a couple of times. You so if you're people. Yeah. So if you're jumping onto it from this perspective, you're, you're getting a super long 
a super long version of the first chapter, which happens inside of most manga, but they released it like that and they broke it into smaller segments to re-release it. Yeah, and it was it's it almost read to me like chapter zero was like a I'm gonna tell you the proof of concept mm-hmm. or the you know, I'm gonna sell you the the um like the overall summary of of the core idea of the story as a chapter. Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna go back and actually release the chapters as I want to release them mm-hmm. and tell the story as I want it to be told. But uh, you know, if you read that, you're already gonna know what's gonna happen here in the early days because that's the premise. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the premise is a I would say a fairly standard kind of isekai or isekai adjacent story where there's characters living in a magical world and they are going on quests in a very video game-esque way is it a video game i don't remember it really if it feels like a video game but I, it, I don't think it was told to us specifically it yeah was. i don't think it's established as a video game so i think it's just kind of living on video game rules and I, i'm assuming that that is not a surprise down the road that this is a video game all along so much as just sort of a shorthand for the author or kind of like a, a design space that they decided to live in but uh, yeah, they uh, something about chapter zero kind of indicates that the main character is going to go from being kind of the weak link of the group to, I'm assuming, training on his own to become very strong because it's called solo leveling. But uh, he's going to go through some pretty tragic hardships in the in-between and then when you pick up a chapter one, you kind of rewind to what seems like the lead into the tragic hardships. And I would say at the end of at the end of chapter three, it felt like some shit is about to hit the fan. And I don't know how they're going to get out of this. Um, I I found this interesting. It has a less polished style to it that again made it feel a little bit more like a passion project web comic rather than a professional production, which I, I believe it is a passion project web comic. So, uh, uh, it, you know, it's not being released in like a Shonen Jump esque type of situation with, you know, editors and stuff like that behind it. I think it's just this person or maybe, you know, some team of people putting, putting this together as a passion project. Um, and it, it sort of feels that way. It feels a little looser and a little unpolished from that perspective. And um, I found that to be an interesting change of pace uh, while also being a little bit off-putting because I was just like, I don't, I don't, I don't have that innate sense of being on a track where I'm going to get where you hope to end up by the end of this three, four chapters that I was reading. Yeah. That said, I found some of the concepts to be interesting, if not particularly unique. And uh, what really got me was the tension of the actual dungeon delving that they do in the early chapters. I thought they did a pretty good job of tension. There was sudden hyperviolence that I wasn't completely expecting. So I would say... If this is sounding interesting to you, be be wary that this is not a little bit of violence. This is like all of a sudden somebody is chopped in half and you, you know, it's not like organs spraying out everywhere. But you do get a shot of it. Uh, yeah. 
I found this intriguing. I was like, if I needed to read more of this, I would probably enjoy doing it, but I'm not sure that I'm going to self-motivate myself to go back and read more of this. Yeah, I think that's... I sort of said that same thing as well. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we had a we had a weird weekend um, and we uh, recorded this thing, so... Uh, so we got to hang out, yeah. so that was good. And play some Digimon trading cards. Oh, yeah! Okay, um, we have to... You have to give me okay. your thoughts on Digimon after a few games. <laughs> so and here, also, we opened a booster box and got very lucky. Yeah, so... Here's the thing that I feel about the Digimon collectible card game or trading card game or I don't know what it's called right now. Um, it is a on first read. It is a perfectly passable card game that is pretty fun to play and pretty fast to play. The more I delved into the mechanics of going back and forth um, with the different card colors, it becomes more complex and interesting. And I think that's the hallmark of a game that is probably going to stand a longer test of time. Um, it it does have some pitfalls that I would say um, probably fall under something like a... Um, uh, less of a Yu-Gi-Oh! and more of something like a... Uh, a it's like a V systems or something. I can't remember. Versus systems. Yeah. It, it was this game that had like, you flip your card, your, your damage pile is random cards from your deck. Like how Pokemon has prize cards. Um, I think Duel Masters did that shield system. Yeah. So it's these, you have to break these shields in order to do it. But when you break the shields, they flip over and they can, they have a response to um, whatever you're doing. So it can either be a Digimon that they, the Digimon that's attacking has to, um, you know, survive an encounter with. Yeah. Or it is a card that is going to give the person that it broke a, um, important thing either on play or in their hand. Um, and I think that that's, that's an interesting system. Um, coming from a Magic perspective, the thing that I love about Magic probably the most is that games can either be super fast or they can be super, super interactive and they kind of span the gambit of it. Um, Digimon on first read felt like it was just a race to the finish um, without as much interaction. But the more I see the more cards with the new booster sets coming out, it it gets more and more interactive as the game starts to go on. Um, and I think that that is what I'm really looking for. Um, also, the mana system inside of it um, is called uh, Memory. And it it basically, you can choke your opponent by messing with their memory and giving them only a little bit or giving them... Um, way too much to play something that's really powerful so they can play multiple effects. Um, so it, it turns into like a back and forth push and pull for your memory and what you can do. And I, I think that's really interesting as well. Yeah, um, I think that's probably the most elegant system the game came up with because it's a really good risk-reward system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I at the end of it, I, I ended up liking it more than I thought I was going to like it on the first game that I played um, because the first game I played felt too simplistic and didn't you know delve deep enough for me um but i think it was like our third game i had a really interactive game and i was just like this is what i was looking for with it and this is where i think it can actually shine yeah i would say based off of the games that i've played and the um the games that i've watched specifically uh card protagonist youtube channel has really really good high level play 
represented on it. Uh, Spencer noted that it is fast play. So it can be a little hard to keep up with or a little overwhelming at first, but they also do put the cards up on screen so you can read them and you can pause it if you need to like really read them and absorb everything. Uh, but they do a good job of giving you a, a feel of what these cards are doing and you get sort of into the flow of the games. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're, if you're curious about that, you want to see some fast high level play, I would recommend card protagonist to check that out. Um, there's also a really good how to play video from Tolarian community college um, that will get you 15 minutes. You'll understand all the basics of the game. So if you're curious about any of that, you can check those things out. But yeah, I would say that based on my larger experience with the game, <clears throat> that it's not, super interactive from the standpoint of like a magic or even maybe a Yu-Gi-Oh would be more interactive with like traps and stuff where those games all have large card pools of things that can react off of your opponent's actions where you can play an instant, you can activate an ability during your opponent's turn and sort of like mess with their flow. In Digimon, it is much more of a back and forth Although uh, there are definitely cards that can react to things that happen in your opponent's turn, those are much fewer and farther between. And Digimon seems much more about like building, building your monster quicker and better than your opponent, mm -hmm. and making strategic decisions on like what, what, and when you're going to attack versus like what instant cards you're going to use to respond mm -hmm. to control the board. And so it's a little bit more it's a it feels a little bit more like short-term planning ahead rather than mid-term reactions during a longer term overall plan mm -hmm. so i think it's i think it's less strategically dense than magic and to me that has been a lot of the appeal is that magic can sometimes feel draining it's exciting and it has a lot of decisions but you also have to keep track of a lot of things mm -hmm. whereas many 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 digimon abilities are sort of they are, if you know the parlance of magic, they are triggered abilities. Essentially, it's a game full of triggered abilities. Mm -hmm. And so you are just positioning your board to have a pileup of advantageous triggered abilities that put you in a position to win. Yeah. And I really like the waterfall effect of when those things kind of play off of each other and push you into this sudden amazing perspective. Mm -hmm. And I like this the sort of like more straightforward focused simplicity of the Digimon game that lets you get in a couple of high octane games in the span it would take you to play one sort of medium speed magic game. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoy that. I really feel like I feel like the that plus the exciting elegance of the memory system for Digimon because the shield system is not new. Yeah. But the memory system feels fresh even though it is my understanding that it was sort of largely borrowed from a less successful game that didn't really go anywhere um but yeah it it feels good and i think that digimon feels different enough to play that it has the opportunity to carve out a niche for itself in the trading card space for a while yeah um while very much not being the same experience for magic and so you might you might have that moment like me where you're like, oh, this is nice. This feels fresh and different and refreshing. Mm -hmm. Or like Spencer, who did enjoy it, but was like, this isn't quite what I want out of a card game experience. Yeah. I would I would rank it, obviously, below Magic, but I would still rank it above a, a Pokemon, which I, I think, honestly, is probably the... It used to be the second best to Magic to me. 
Um, Pokemon's biggest problem, I think, is that it, especially in the competitive scene of Pokemon playing, there are massive turns that just take for fucking ever just yeah. you playing stuff that just draws you an um, insane amount of cards over and over again and then you finally pass a turn after doing one thing it feels just not like a pokemon match it, <laughs> it feels very much like you're playing solitaire that may or may not affect your opponent sometimes anyways um all that being said digimon's pretty solid and uh stick with us after these credits and we'll give you another important life lesson <laughs> Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind podcast network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at Reddit.com slash R slash Get Jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, owner and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind. We interrupt your awesome, regularly scheduled programming to ensure you're aware of The Geekly Grind podcast network, of which this show is a treasured member of. If you haven't had a chance to check out our site, you can do so at thegeeklygrind.com, and while you're there, take a look at the other members of our steadily growing podcast family, including the anime-centric Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, discovering new heroes on Comic Book Keepers with Chris and Lance, exploring the vast universe of geekdom with Geeksploration, or appreciating animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. Escape your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. We'll see you next week, and until then... Be careful when you're playing sports for your middle or high school team, because if you lose a game, you might be expelled from your country until you can redeem yourself. Yeah, gotta stand up and and stand out, you know? And show up and show out. Stand up, dude, to the crowd. <laughs> That's a reference to a Goofy movie. Oh my god.